we'll get to the handout here in a bit, and when we do, we're going to move into the handout in page uh, two in the middle. You don't have to worry about that now. I'll tell you that again when we get there. Um, I thought about running off another handout because I did another complete opening for today, but you don't need a handout. You've got your Bible, and that's all you really need. So um, we're going to we're going to look at this uh, truth that you can't separate light from Christmas. You really can't separate light from the incarnation, and uh, it's it's a beautiful truth. Things we could focus on when we think about the Christmas story, and uh, I I surely want to focus on today this aspect of light. Um, without light, people walk in darkness, both physically and spiritually, and uh, it's a it can be a terrifying thing, both physically and it should be spiritually. Um, we have been in a study of Psalms for over a year. And um, I'm told that many people's favorite psalm is uh, Psalm 27. And that, that opens up saying, The Lord is my what? My light and my salvation. And, and because of that, whom should I fear? And as we're going to look here in a minute at Isaiah 9, you, you see how that, that truth even explodes out of that passage. For the fact is that God is light and he's life. And because of that, he is also the Prince of Peace. We don't have, we don't have to fear. Christmas story is full of fears. We've looked at that many times in the past. Um, every time the angel showed up, there was fear which is natural, and every time the response was, do not be afraid. God's people don't need to live in fear because Christ has come, because the light has come, and because we have been delivered from darkness. I wonder if when you were a child, you liked to sleep with a, with a light on, or at least a little night light uh, in your room. Um, or certainly your children, or perhaps in some cases grandchildren. Do you, you have night lights? No, no night lights? Yeah. I have, I still have, a little horsey night light. Okay? It's, it's, it's like in a circle, and then there's this, in the middle, there's a, a little horse. And I can't believe you how intricate it is. And this was given to me when I was a baby. And I've kept it all these years. My mother gave it to me, and, and I've kept it. And if, if you plug it in, I don't plug it in much. Don't ask me why, but I, but I, but I don't. I guess I'm afraid that because of age it's going to blow out, but it still, it still glows like it did almost 74 years ago. And that, that light in, in, in the room was just a, a little bit of glow, but that kept us and kept me from from uh, complete darkness. There's something about a little bit of light is a lot of light compared to total darkness. Have you ever been in total darkness? Have you ever gone into a cave, you know, one of those underground caves, and they take you to the room, and then they say, okay, now we're, we're going to shut off the light? I mean, in total darkness, you can't tell up from down. Uh, it's very easy to lose your, your sense of bearing. You can't see anything. You, you do this, you can't see. It's a frightening thing. Total darkness is a frightening thing. And man was in total darkness relative to his spiritual condition 
before God. And the nation of Israel was certainly in very dark times when Isaiah wrote this passage uh, that we're going to look at today. And, and light chases away the darkness and chases away fears and, and, and gives comfort. Uh, we'll see the beauty of the incarnation and the gospel of Jesus Christ, how, how that gives victory over the power of, of darkness because light triumphs over darkness. You know, it's that, that passage, the, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Think about it. It's not that the Lord gives light, and the Lord does give light, but the Lord is light. And it's not that the Lord gives salvation, and the Lord does give salvation, but it's the Lord is salvation. And it's this Lord who came in the incarnation that, that, that we look at. Look at Isaiah 9-2. And you'll see here, and we're going to trace light a little bit. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And then if you go to the sixth verse, this description of this light. You know, light here is synonymous with the Messiah, uh, with, with him coming and him removing both the spiritual darkness, but also for the people of Israel, that, that captivity. But here in context, Assyria and Babylon, and, and, and eventually the, the, the nation being delivered sometime in, in, in the future. And this is, this is um, what Isaiah is describing, and he's giving hope. And, and in that, he's describing the fact that this light that's going to come, the ultimate king, um, the, the one whose reign will last forever, is, is the one that's going to shine in the darkness and, and will overcome and triumph over the darkness. And he describes, he describes it here in verse 6, for a child will be born to us and a son will be given. We certainly could spend the, the whole class just looking at the difference between the fact that a child will be born. It's human. He'll have a, a human mother, and he'll have God as his father. But a son is given. God's a giver. God gave his son, the eternal son, the self-existing son, the son who has always been, no beginning and end, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of faith, this God is who's being described. So this child will be born to us, and this son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. It's a spiritual kingdom. Now, and one day he will rule and reign with a rod of iron in Zion, in Jerusalem. That day is yet to come, and we'll be there with him. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal or Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
and there will be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Look at that description, if you will, where it says the eternal father or the everlasting father. Um, given all of these different descriptions of this child that's going to come, and, and, and one here is this, is, is the father, the everlasting father, the father of time, the father of eternity. And um, this the same father, James, in the, in the New Testament describes. Yes, this father is a giver. He, he gave his son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God's a giver. And, and he's also the God of light. And in James 1.17, you don't have to turn there, but James 1.17 says, Every good thing or every good gift that is given... And every perfect gift is from above. God is a giver. And he says it comes down from, do you remember what the next thing says? The father of what? The father of lights. God is light. In the beginning, God. And God spoke light into the world. You cannot separate light from Christmas narrative because you can't separate light from the incarnation. I, I don't even have them all included here, and I'm not going to give you the references because it would take you forever, but you could just do a really quick topical study. It wouldn't take you a few minutes. Light in the scripture is illustrative of all of these things concerning God. Light illustrates the glory of God, the purity of God, the wisdom of God, the guidance of God, the favor of God, the glory of Christ, the word of God, and the gospel. And when you get to John, it's one of the seven I am statements where Jesus himself declares, then Jesus said and spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in what? Darkness. But will have the light of life. And now believers, believers, now we're to be the light. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Paul said in Ephesians 5, 8, for you were formerly darkness, lost, dead, trespasses, sin. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then he said in Philippians, the great chapter that is also really part of the Christmas narrative, in verse 15 he says, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. We are to be his lights because he's in us and his light's now in us and the darkness has been dispelled and that's all part of the, the Christmas story, the Christmas narrative, the God who is 
Christmas. So look at your handout. Uh, I believe it's the third page. Maybe it's the second, third page. And I'm going to skip the angel part and probably come back and we'll hit, hit that next week. You'll see why. But right in the middle where it says, Christmas light, star bright, sunlight, we are the lights. And it's a big part of Christmas, isn't it? Isn't the lights a big part of Christmas? Don't you love the, uh, the Christmas lights? Our trees are lighted. Some of the ornaments are lighted. I'm old enough to remember on my grandparents' tree and then on my parents' tree, those Christmas lights were um, primarily those bubble things were heated up in the, in the thing, bubbled, and you could, I could watch those as a little kid forever. You, you know what I'm talking about? And, and now you can go to mo- like the Christmas mouse or something like that, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're real antiques now, so everybody wants to put them on a tree. That used to be the tree. Um, uh, when I when I was a kid, and it's such such fond uh, memories of that. Our homes are decorated with lights, lights in the windows, and and don't you love going uh, out? Judy and I love to get. Uh, I'm not promoting anything here. I'm just telling you what I like to do. Okay, we love to go to Chick Fil A and get their peppermint milkshake. Anybody here like the peppermint milkshake besides the two of us? Okay, and then we like to go out and suck on that milkshake. I actually liked it when you can get different sizes. I don't know what happened in the pandemic. They just went to one size. I like that big one. You know, if I'm gonna get that baby, let's, let's get one, because I got a long drive ahead of me. But anyhow, that's not part of my story. And then we go out and we look at Christmas lights. And it's just, just beautiful. I don't know, it just does something in me. Does it do something for you, the, the, the lights? I, Thursday, I took a, a few hours off, and we ain't as young as we used to be, but we got lights all over the outside of our house. And thankful to Sherry and Amber, uh, in particular, as our anniversary present, they strung lights up on the, the ceiling, or not the ceiling, the roof line, the roof line of our house. So we have lights up there, and now we got lights on the bottom. And then when you drive by our house at night, we didn't plan this, it just happened that way. We bought a manger scene several years ago, and we put the manger scene, we got a long skinny house, and all these lights are here. We put the manger scene here, we put a spotlight on it, and that spotlight shines this perfect shadow between two bushes of um, Joseph and Mary holding the baby Jesus with a, with a, th- with a you know, the manger and a star over it. And it's huge, and it just, uh, so that becomes the center of our light show. And, and for us, it's a, it's a quiet gospel witness in, in our neighborhood of what Christmas is all about. Jesus is the reason for the season, amen? And, and so I know we love that. I'm sure you love that. You, you have it in your home one way or another. You can't separate light from the incarnation. You can't separate light from, from Christmas, nor should we try. It reminds me, Christmas Eve. I know you got family plans and many can't make it, but if you can, 5 o'clock right in here, we'll have a Christmas candlelight service. We've been having this for as long as I can remember. It's a special night. Um, so many churches don't do that anymore that usually we have a fairly large crowd because people from the community come. They look forward. They bring their family. They come here. We keep it a short service. We do a few Christmas readings. We do something for the kids, and then we, we light a candle, and we usually sing Silent Night, and we blow our candles out but you see 
you turn all the lights down in the ministry center and you light the one candle and uh, the light dispels the darkness and then the second candle and the third and the fourth and pretty soon you have all those candles lit and you say to yourself if you're me the executive pastor you say I sure hope that the fire marshal doesn't walk in now <clears throat> and all that light is glowing and it's just beautiful but it's representative of something representative of this book it's the representative of his word and our God who speaks light into our dark hearts and has come into the world at this special time of year you have a favorite Christmas memory you could take a few seconds and share maybe about your Christmas light story anybody want to do that somebody have something special I certainly want to give you that opportunity if you do any special can you give your your wife a mic her brother Chelsea I think, one of, um, I think one of my favorite memories growing up as a kid um, every Christmas Eve my dad um, we would all sit on the couch and we would um, read the Christmas story from Luke and um, just growing up that was just a special time and now that I'm married and have my own children um, I want to start that tradition just so that each Christmas he gets more familiar with the Christmas story and hopefully will accept Christ as a young age amen I love to get up really early in the morning Judy has the tree up you know and be pitch black in the house and I go get my um, my cup of coffee and I go sit next to my fireplace and I turn my fireplace on and I turn the Christmas tree lights on and I just like to sit there and praise the Lord and the firelight and the tree light and just uh, think about how glorious it is that I even care if God didn't reveal himself to me I wouldn't care if he didn't love me first I wouldn't love him and, and to think that he's given me another day and another life and, and, and this and this day and the thought of coming down here to be and to worship with you just, I, I mean it stirs my morning you have mornings like that where just there's something about that early light anybody else have anything you'd like to share memory I'll give you a chance again next week if you have a special Christmas memory that you'd like to share uh, I'd love to hear it the Christmas story and the rest of scripture speak of this light I've already mentioned it um, but I, I put it here in your handout. The first mention of light in the Bible is before God created the sun. It said Genesis 1, 3 through 5. So actually before the sun was created, if you look at the creation order, God spoke light into the world. We know that Jesus called himself the light of the world. In John eight twelve the gospel is referred to as the light of the gospel the light of the glorious gospel second corinthians 4 3 through through 6. kingdom people are called the light of the world and we are commanded to let our light shine we're no longer in darkness but we're children of light who are to walk in that light so clearly you can see that light and the incarnation and this promised one are 
are inseparable. Throughout scripture, what does darkness represent? Darkness almost always represents evil or false teaching, um, Satan's ways, the downward path, even hell itself, outer darkness. Everything that's the opposite of God. When you think about the um, illustrations of, of death, yea, though I walk through the what? Valley of the shadow of, of death. But when you think about heaven, Jesus will be the light of heaven. And in heaven, it's declared, there will be no more night. What a, what a glorious blessing it is. Light in scripture represents a description of Jesus himself, as we've already mentioned. In the darkness of men's heart, we desperately need that light. And so the question, how much time do we have? We have enough time for at least one testimony. What were the circumstances when the gospel light turned on in your heart? Every person here at some point was in darkness. Uh, you were spiritually in 9-2. You were. You put your name there. Larry walked in darkness. And then I saw a great light. The Apostle Paul in Acts Nine probably illustrates that truth as powerful as, as any. Paul wasn't looking for God. He was hunting believers. And God struck him down with light. Blinded him for three days. And if God didn't give his eyesight back, he, he wouldn't see. And we know how Paul then, coming to faith in, in Christ, was used so in, incredibly. Anybody want to give a brief testimony of when you recognized that you were in darkness and the, God turned the light of the glorious gospel on in your life? Love to hear one. You would like to share it. Joseph, right up here. Thank you, brother. I think it's pretty appropriate that a Joseph would share at Christmas time his testimony. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Uh, so I was in high school and uh, just living my life, had my girlfriend and, you know, my, my thing. and um, Hadn't really been to church much since I was, was seven. And uh, through some different circumstances, got back into uh, a little country church. It was actually a free will Baptist church. <laughs> uh, but they, they still had the gospel there. They, in that little room, I learned that I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And, um, you know, it was one of those places where you sing about 200 verses of just as I am. And uh, I was able to actually hold on. I remember the very Sunday night, I, I was literally holding on to the pew. I was under, I was actually under conviction. You know, I, the, I knew that I was in need. And, um, and the Lord was drawing me to himself. And, but I was able to hold on and, and make it out of there. Um, but but I, I, I kept running, but I couldn't really get away. So when I was at home that very night, you know, the, the song was over, and I was getting ready to go to sleep in bed, and I was just under such conviction. And that's when I, I, just, uh, I just said, I just prayed for the first time, really. I said, Lord, 
I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need a Savior. I just ask you to forgive me of my sins and, and be my Lord and Savior and, and teach me, just help me. And that was it, <clears throat> and I went to sleep. And, um, but the next morning when I woke up, I knew I was, there was something that had changed in me. Amen. I was a totally different person, and, um, and, and that light has never gone off to this mm. very day. And I'm, no long, I'm definitely not a free will Baptist guy. Mm. Amen. Thank you. So, that happens, right? The light, light comes on. If any man be in Christ, um, he is a new creation. I, I, I went to bed. As I'm going to bed, I'm one thing. I'm under heavy conviction. I reach out by faith. He is the one that's quickened me. He is the one that's given me the faith. And I respond to that faith. And I, I go to bed a sinner, and I wake up in the morning. I mean, I go to bed a sinner, but I wake up in the morning, and, and I, I, I'm born again. I'm a new creation. Old things then begin passing away. That, that verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a, is a continuous. It's a continuation. Old things continue to pass away, progressive sanctification. And all things continue to become new, and we're still, by his grace, growing today. Amen? And so the, the light of the glorious gospel has to, has to come. And so we have that wonderful thing. We're going we're gonna to look at next week um, these three texts, John 1, 1 through 14, basically John 1 and 14, Matthew story in chapter 2 about the star, and then Luke about the shepherd and the angels. I'm looking at that and joking to myself and thinking, yeah, we're going to get that done in one week, but that's all we got. So we'll just read the Christmas narrative and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about these two light principles that um, I, I think would be helpful from a practical standpoint as we look going forward. So we're out of time. I don't think there would be any argument in anybody's part that you can't separate Christmas and light. You can't separate the incarnation from light. And that Jesus, just as surely as he said in John 14, he was the way, the truth, and the life. He said there in John 8, he is the light. And now we have been commanded to go into all the world. We are commanded to go into all the world. And some of us, that means we go to Nepal we go to the outer regions brother sims where you and your lovely wife just were you go to the outer regions and, and that's often the case brother pete wing but at a minimum it means i'll walk across the street I, I, at a minimum it means i'll speak a word for christ at the at the grocery store or at the gas pump i, I I'll, I'll at least act like a believer i'll i'll let in some way my light shine uh, have you ever noticed at the store, at the mall, the frenzy most people are in at Christmas time? Be light. Be full of joy. Let your light shine. What, when, the, when the person who's waiting on you is just fed up with people to hear and they treat you like you're their slave rather than one you're serving on, give them joy. Be full of joy. Be gracious. Be kind. 
Be the light and look for opportunities to share the light because that's what we've been commanded to do. And if any of those opportunities present itself this week, let us know about it next week. That, that would be a, a great encouragement for us to hear. So, out of time, God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week. If you're here for the morning service, um, I'm sure Pastor Farrell's message will be timely, and so we'll look forward to that. You're dismissed. <laughs>